Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's going on? Nice outside for a change. Lotto Max was one in Quebec last night. Where did that quote come from? Was it Letter Kenny? Fuck Quebec. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I tweeted about it this morning, and I got a couple of those responses. <laughs> Fuck Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it seem I like know. Quebec always wins that, the lottery? I literally was just having a conversation with someone on like Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, whatever it was. And they said, "I'm probably going to drive to Quebec, and they're closer than here. Uh, but I'm probably going to drive over the border to Quebec because that's where the big winners usually are." And I said, "Ha ha ha!" Now I realize I should have said, "Can you get me one too?" Because that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that that sucks. I mean, either way, it sucks when you don't win. But uh, I would have, I would like to see who did win. That's what matters most to me, I think. Like, tell me who won, though. Give me a little description of the person. Man, woman, old, young. What do they plan to do with the money? I feel like we're invested so much so in these big lottery giveaways that we deserve to know exactly what you're going to do with the money. Don't you feel that way? Yeah, I do, actually. We all took a chance and bought a ticket for that draw. And since somebody else won... Maybe tell us who that person is, what they're going to do with the money. Are they going to turn into the next world philanthropist? Are they going to just throw a lot of great parties? Are they going to be the next crypto king or queen? We don't know, but I kind of like to know. A little closure, because I had plans for that money. Shit. <laughs> you made plans and everything. Yeah. Buy some stuff. That's yeah. what I was going to do. Yeah. Guess what I did last night? It finally happened. It happened, everybody. It happened. By the way, Tom Cruise was right. This song is perfect for that movie. Lady Gaga did a great soundtrack song for Top Gun Maverick, which I saw last night. Listen, are we doing spoilers here or no? Um, I can do a safe non-spoiler edition of what I'm going to say. No, I mean, it's a podcast. People can fast forward if they don't want to hear the spoilers. Okay, so we'll... Shut up. My new favorite song. They didn't use that song very much. Why did they only use it at the end of the of the movie? Well, just like in the first one, they, they used, only use "Take My Breath Away" for a small part of the I movie. I thought that part made it cheesy. I'm gonna say that there's a lot of parts of the movie that were cheesy. Now that you've watched it, you can discuss this with me further. But the first one was kind of cheesy in those ways. I didn't buy. Okay, we'll start with the first part. A agree with you. Song fantastic. Lady Gaga, huge fan. They should have used that song more. I understand. Take my breath away. But they use that song so often. I was just like, come the fuck on, man. It's not the 80s anymore. Let's move along. Let's bring in some Gaga. Let's do this. I would have liked to hear hers more than just at the end. But it was that moment. And I guess there's not even a spoiler needed. But that moment, that's fine. That's great. Awesome. Did you... Did you... Okay, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite part of it? Oh, just the whole experience? Shit. Is that a tough question? That's a shit question to ask you, right? I'll, I'll tell you. I I um I went with my son, like I said I would, and he and I had sat and watched the original so many times when he was a little boy growing up, and now that he's all grown up, I thought, that's going to be a really neat thing for my son and I to go together with him now as an adult and see the sequel, and that's how long it took to make a sequel. What I didn't expect was how hard that gut punch in the feels was going to be when I saw Maverick with Goose's son, especially knowing that Goose died Mm -hmm. in a plane with Maverick. What? (laughs) 
it's that's great. a spoiler from the original <laughs> what <laughs> if you haven't seen the original top gun at this point it's, don't even fucking no bother spoiler. sending me a you didn't warn us first i uh i'm glad i watched it though like i told you right i i, I feel like I wouldn't have understood the movie, the second movie, the Maverick, as well if I hadn't watched the first. It was good to have that, and it was really top of mind for me because I watched Top Gun I, on Crave on Saturday, and then I went to go see Top Gun Maverick on the Sunday. So it was really like right there for me. See, and I've seen the original so many times. I think you're wrong, actually. I think if you had never seen the first one, nothing would have seemed out of place in the second one. The fact that you did see the first one so close to seeing the second one just made all of those references pop even more, I think. The great, the great balls of fire thing is like the cheesiest shit I've ever seen, though. Both movies. Pilots are cheesy. Do you think that's it? Do you think it's a bit of real? Because maybe I'm just not in that world, but man, it was fucking cheesy around the piano. Let's all sing Great Balls of Fire. I've never seen that happen in my life. They, uh, well, I mean, part of the reason they did it is because he had that memory of being a kid sitting on the piano while dad played that song. I get it. I thought it was beautiful. I have never seen a sequel that married together the original and the second part, as well as that movie did. And when they weren't doing a flashback, they were almost recreating different scenes, but with the modern day actors. It was a perfect passing of the baton. Now they can go ahead if they want and make a ton more Top Gun movies that don't even need to have Maverick. He'll just be a legend, kind of like Iceman is in this new version. It's uh, uh, the way they did it. There was so many parts of that movie that just took me back to when I was a kid watching Mm -hmm. that movie playing with toy airplanes thinking I want to be a pilot someday it was so well done the uh the story was Star Wars for those who haven't seen it it's it's basically we got to blow up the Death Star we've got (laughs) to weave through this canyon and then drop some missiles into a little tiny area that's only two meters by two meters they made that part very basic for those reasons I think because when you think about the audience that you want and and they got it by the way they got people of all ages to watch that second movie, to watch Top Gun Maverick, even if they didn't have a memory of Top Gun, which was me. That was me. But they made the plot so easy to follow. That's what they did right. Even though, like I said, cheesy. Absolutely. Everything about the plot. I didn't really buy the Jennifer Connelly, Tom Cruise thing either. But okay, aside from that, they made it so easy to follow. Like, this is what we have to do. Swoop in, hit. The next one, swoop in, blow up. That's the mission. Like, there was nothing complicated about it. You didn't even really see a bad guy at all. It was very simple. And because the emphasis was more on the action. And that's where they spent the money. And that's what you went to go see, likely, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, the action scenes were incredible. I love that they updated it for the modern military. In the original Top Gun, they didn't have a lot of threat from SAMs, surface-to-air missiles. But they did have it in this one. And the way they played it up was so well done. The planes, the action, the camera angles, the feeling you had when you were in the theater. It was emotional, Kat. I mean, I, I know you guys are going to shit on me for this. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I don't think people will shit on you. You tell your truth. I teared up a bit. I teared up a bit. Was it, um, was it the beginning? Was it the end? What part did you tear up? Or there was a few moments where you teared up? Like what part exactly got you? So the beginning was fine. It was very similar to the beginning of the old one, just with a modern day twist. I, I think part of the, the stuff that really got me was in particular. And I don't even know if they like really cleverly merged somehow video from the original and what mm-hmm. they shot this time. But when you saw Maverick get into an F-14 
at whatever it was base that they had just finished blowing up and he had Goose's son in the back and and the the way they shot it was so perfect in that you'd swear that was Maverick and Goose and then they zoom in and it's it's Goose's kid and it's like holy shit it got me i uh it was just such a powerful moment i mean everybody <laughs> has to uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I was there with my son, but I, I was right. It, it was overcoming. It, it, it was just such a powerful thing for me. I really liked. I thought it was cute. The play, those two and their relationship. I thought it was cute. I like Miles Teller. I'm a fan of Miles Teller. I, th- I think he's a, he's a pretty good actor. I liked. Uh, toward the end was funny to me when it was just the two of them and they were trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And I guess really, this, it's not even a spoiler. But when they were trying to. Get- I was laughing pretty hard. Like they both wanted to be the heroes, right? They both wanted to be the heroes. I saved your life. No, I saved your life. I laughed pretty hard. And a lot of the references to the old, him being an old guy, there was a lot of that. You're the old guy now, that kind of, look at this plane, it's old as dirt. Like, oh, these are the planes I grew up with, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, No, it was good. It was cute. Cute. It's cute. Fuck me. What, I, what do you think? I don't, I understand the emotional attachment. I understand that. Like I, when I tear up, it's like, the first Fast and Furious movie without Paul Walker. My God, Jesus, Bridget Jones. No, I don't cry at that. Like I said, a good example is like a Paul Walker for me. Like that next mo- Fast and Furious movie. Like I teared up. But I grew up with that. I understand the emotional attachment. I don't have that to Top Gun. I was born the year it came out. I didn't even see it until this weekend. So I don't have that attachment. But when you have an attachment to something, it, movie, music, whatever it might be, I understand. God, you're going to be like putting this on repeat now, aren't you? Even when we're not on the radio, we still hit posts. Even in the podcast, we're fucking hitting posts. And that's great. Bonus. That's (laughs) bonus material is what that is. Uh, For those who don't know, when you hit a post in radio, that is when you talk right up to the vocals. We used to do that for people that were trying to record songs off of the radio just to fuck with them. And it carried on like a beautiful tradition. I still like to do it sometimes. (laughs) Fuck with people. Um. There's a lot to get to in this episode of After Nine. Thank you for indulging me a little bit and talking about Top Gun. And, and I really couldn't last night. When we came out of the theater, my son said, you go first. What did you think? And, and I was honestly kind of at a loss for words. I, it, it was good, but I couldn't really articulate how good it was. He was the exact same way. He was like, I, I, I know. That was one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, good. So it was great. Uh, but we'll move on to some other things. I do want to talk about the woman who's asking for some relationship advice. She's an older lady that is dating a guy and she's got some suspicions about him and his intentions in this relationship. But she's got a bit of a dilemma here in that if she gets rid of him, is she going to meet anybody else? She's older. That's coming up on this episode of After Nine. According to a new poll, 83% of people claim that if they won the lottery, they would keep it a secret. Nearly 50% say they'd need to win $4 million to quit their job. Those are the two takeaways from these new numbers. 80% of people say they play the lottery at least occasionally and only when the jackpot soars high. But 83% of people say they would keep it a secret, wouldn't even tell their family if they won. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we talked about this on our radio show today and people were messaging saying, oh, you can't keep it a secret because OLG publishes your name and your picture. They do. And do you know how many millions of things get published in a day? Yeah, it's that's. A t- I, I feel like you could fly under the radar a little bit and tell like people like like I don't know. We talk, we discuss local winners. We discuss local winners all the time. We tell them their name and where they're from. Hey, Steve Jackman from fucking Waterloo won a hundred thousand dollars. We do it. 
it, it could it, when someone finds out and you're trying to keep it a secret that sucks too so you have to play that kind of carefully don't you okay but we only talk about it when it's a big jackpot win like that whoever that fucker in quebec was that won the 70 no, million we've done 200,000 100,000 i've heard other radio stations for example tv stations sometimes when it's a slow news day you're doing 200 100,000 oh this pro- and the last story of the night congratulations to Rhonda's second fucking who just won 20 grand of the daily whatever the hell it is I, I still like my odds at keeping it safe or keeping it private. Would you tell anybody if you want? So, oh man, I mean, obviously my part, like my, my partner, my husband, my family would know. Yeah. I'm telling my mom and dad because they're going to, they're going to have some of it for whatever they need or want. You also have a great family though. That's all very successful. They're not going to come to you with their handout saying, Oh, could you pay off my line of credit for me? I kind of purposely don't surround myself with people (laughs) like that. So I think I'd be safe, but where it gets tricky is um, when we were talking about this earlier, someone texted in, they won 90 grand. That's amazing. They won 90 grand in a lottery. A, in case you did not know this, if you play any lottery, you they have a right. OLG has a right in Ontario. And I, I'm, I'm going to assume this is like this across the board in Canada. I don't know, but I can tell you OLG has every right to publish your name. And they will. They'll publish your name. They'll say this is who it is. Or this is who won. That's part of their commitment to transparency, though. So you can yes. trust that it's a real person that's Unders- winning. And, and, no, and if you don't like it, don't play. Right. You know, like it's qu- quite simple. That's the bond when Th- you buy a it. ticket. But she was saying, I, mean, I don't remember if it was a she or he, my apologies. But they were saying that they... Their name was published. And next thing you know, they had people reaching out because they figured it out. They found out. You can easily Google it. It's Googleable. They had creditors calling, claiming that they owed money when they did not owe money. And it happened right after they won that 90 grand. Interesting. So sketchy. Everybody's trying to scam us. Everybody. For sure. I honestly believe that every call that comes into my phone is somebody trying to fuck me. I know. So that's what would make life difficult. I know. The one thing that would make life difficult if you won a lot of money is being aware of that. But yeah, I mean, I would I keep it a secret as much as I could. Yeah, I'm not going to go boasting about it. I'm not posting it on my Facebook and my Twitter, my Instagram and anything else I have at the time. I'm not doing that. So is that keeping it a secret? I don't know. But I would tell verbally phone calls to my family. This is what happened. Hmm. But I'm not broadcasting it. Would you call everybody over? I have some I have some news to share. If it was big, a hundred percent. And when they show up, there's a fucking valet. They're getting all you can eat and drink, whatever the hell you want. We are having a party. And we by are the way, popping bottles. Pack your suitcase because we're leaving for Hawaii in an hour. Bingo. <laughs> your job won't let you take it off. Quit the job. Another good question that came out of this one. It was Play Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania State Lottery that did this. But I, it works here, too, because I feel like we have a lot in common. How much would you need to win before you'd quit your job? Oh, yeah, that's a common question. Uh, and... F- uh, oh, man. And I always say, and Dave Blizzard, our boss, does not believe me, but I always say I'd work in one capacity or another, even if I won that $70 million, I would still work. I'm not saying I'd work every day. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> that I, you'd be nice to I people. Won, <laughs> if I won $70 million, would I work every day? Uh, I don't know. But like something like this, I'd probably, I'd still do. So for, for me to quit my daily, I, I do, I, I don't know, it would probably be $10 million and above for me to con- even consider it. Fifty percent of people say it needs to be at least four million or more before they'll quit their job. Yeah. We've said this before: a million dollars doesn't go nearly as far as it used to. No, if you're a uh, a winner of a million dollars, that doesn't make you a millionaire anymore. 
and nor do you get that much money. If you want a $4 million jackpot and you took the payout, I have to think you'd be losing about a million three. So you're taking home about 2.7 million take home from a $4 million jackpot. Well, and, and we well, that's good. Taxes on it. I mean, I think that you get everything. Just the, you take a lesser amount to get the lump sum. The in- one big sum you do, even with the, okay. That's fine. I'd do that still. 16% said if it was 50 million, I'd quit my job. Yeah. Okay, that might be a little excessive. You can live comfortably off of $50 million, yeah. I feel. Even if you're f- one year old, you okay. could. <laughs> 11% said they would retire with winnings of $500,000 on average. Wow. You can't retire on $500,000 anymore. What's the, what's the demographic on that one? Oh, they're like, probably already 80. Yeah. <laughs> Who's taking Give me 500 to- grand and I yeah. quit. I'm done. 88% of people claim they would give away some of their winnings. And this is where the honesty yeah. part comes in and why some people are less likely to tell family because they know everybody's going to have their hand out. And, and when you win four, but take home, say, 2.7 or 2.8, Oh, that's a pretty substantial haircut. How much are you willing to give away of that? You've got to make that last for as long as you want it to last. Would you give away a hundred grand? Half a million? Because whatever amount you agree to give away, anything below half of what you want, people are going to have a problem with it. Yeah, you probably have an idea. It's got to be like a percentage in your mind, right? Like a hundred thousand. Like for me, if, if I found out my brother, let's just use an example of like a sibling. So a, a sibling of mine, my brother or sister won 50 grand. I wouldn't even consider them giving me anything. No, me either. You know what I mean? Like yep. you've got a mortgage, you've got kids, you've got stuff on the go. It, congratulations. That's amazing. Hey, you want to throw a party and, and, and buy my stuff for that party? Cool. I'll take that. Great. But aside from that, no. Once you hit that, like, what do you think the mark is? What do you think? It's got to be minimum before people believe they're probably going to get a chunk of that. If we're talking immediate family members, so a sibling, a brother, even a even a best friend in your whole wide world who's basically a sister or brother to you or your parents, etc., mm-hmm. or your kids for that matter. Mm-hmm. What's the threshold there where you expect or you believe someone would expect to get a cut of that? Any amount of money that I won, kids are getting cut in. No problem. If I'm going to start handing out money to like my brother and sister, it's got to be at least half a mil. And even at that, I'm talking like, uh, like here's 10 grand. You know, why don't you pay off your car? Something like that. What if you, so you won 25 grand. Let's say you won 25 grand. Nobody's and, getting and anything. Nobody's getting anything. I need that 25 okay. grand. Yeah. You know, that's fair though, because look at the world that we live in. Like the 25 grand doesn't, it's, it's lovely. It's a game changer. Absolutely. But it doesn't go that far. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. You pay off debts. You put maybe you put a little money down on the mortgage. Maybe you get some work done to your house. It's very like essential stuff. Maybe you do go on a trip and you splurge a bit, but it's very essential. It's not a lot of money anymore. Twenty five grand would probably just go right in the bank or into an investment account, yeah. safe investment, because uh, you like to have that slush fund. But a lot of people have dipped into their savings yes. over the last couple of years, yes. and they'd love to replenish that. Yep. If people won, forty percent would give some to friends. But only 4% would give any to their coworkers. It's, uh, this is why you got to be nice to your coworkers. <laughs> the coworkers thing is tough. You're all my friends. He, that's the th- okay, so the coworkers thing is tough because you're almost, you're in one of those situations where you don't, unless you're the employer, I suppose, but even then it's kind of weird. You don't pick the people you work with. Right. But you make it work with the. <laughs> well, we kind of do. But. We, 
<laughs> we kind of do, sure. But for most people, right? Most people, you're plunked into a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're you're making you're, you're you're working. Everybody's making money, and sometimes you're lucky and you work with a group of people you actually like. That's an amazing time, right? Yep. That's great. But just because you're in that bubble of work friends, do you consider them friends enough where you've won enough money to quit that job? Are you leaving anything to the people you work with? It's a, it's a strange scenario because you yeah. didn't necessarily, it's not like those are your best friends and you all decided to work together. That's not usually how it works. You've got work friends and then separate from that, you got best friends and things like that. I would probably try and thread the needle and make everybody happy, even though this would probably not make anybody happy. I would probably do something for them, but not actually stroke a check to them. Okay. Like so, a party or something? Like, give me an example. Yeah. Like if I, if I just won some big money in the lottery, I would probably take the whole team here. Depends how much I want. We could start off with maybe dinner. If I won like fuck you money, maybe I bring the whole team to Vegas for a weekend. To a resort or something too. Something like that. That'd be cool. But even at that, people are going to do the math. Hmm. Three days, four nights in Vegas. That's a package worth about $700 a person. Thanks, asshole. See, I've, that is, and that's terrible. If you but think that's what that, they would think. And if you think that way, that's terrible. You didn't win it. That's a colleague who's nice enough to send you on a trip. I think that what you would do is lovely. I like that. Where I get question, where I, where I have the question mark is, and today is National Best Friends Day, everybody. Mm-hmm. If you won, and I don't mean fuck you money. Let's say, let's make it a little less than, because I don't know if I'd consider five. Would you consider five mil to be fuck you money? No, it's got to be over 10 to have that kind of money. So let's say five. Let's say you win five. What do your friends get? Uh, okay, so I think that the best thing I could do for friends <clears throat> is not give them a handout, but give them a hand up. So what I would likely do for, for my besties, for you, for all those people, is I'd pick like maybe five people that are real close to me, and I would probably pay off their mortgages. That's nice. With five mil, though? What if the... I would probably earmark about a million that I would spend Max. frivolously, whether it and frivolous it. and friends go into the frivolous category. Hey, listen, if I can knock uh, 150 grand off your mortgage, I would love to do that. If you have a million dollar mortgage, okay, well, I'm going to pay part of your mortgage. <laughs> we'll talk, yeah. well, we're not going to f- yeah. solve the whole problem here today. Right. But even at that, I, I think that I would like to help out my friends in that way. And how life changing is that to not have a mortgage payment? I think that that's one of the best things I could do. Yeah. The money you earn is now your money. Yeah. I think that uh, that's the way I would go. What about you, though? What would you do? Uh, they see, that's it's it's tough for me because I do have a I have a lot of good friends. I don't necessarily think I have a best friend. I have a lot of good friends that I grew up with, and they're all kind of cons- my best friends. So when you add that up, that's a lot of people. I have a group of six girlfriends I've known since kindergarten. And we're like, I would consider, like, I could call them tomorrow and be like, I murdered someone, help me bury the body. And I think that they would all do it. Uh-huh. Maybe one or two would have questions, but they'd all do it. I have another group of four girlfriends that, again, they're all, I'm all close with. So in total, I probably have nine or 10 really good friends. Okay. That's tough because do I sit them all down and inter- like, I feel like what I would do is I would want to help them out. If it's five mil or more, I would probably have a conversation with them. How, how are things going? I don't want to pry, but if I'm going to give you money, tell me what you could use. Tell mm-hmm. me what's good. Do you want me to give you, you know, 10 grand for your kid's education? That might be more valuable to someone than helping with, the, with their mortgage right now, for example. So I would probably do that where I'd have a chat with them and be like, look, you know, I won money. I know I won money. 
I what hate, are we going to do? I about hate it? to be like, who's struggling? <laughs> Raise your hand and tell me your sad story. But I, I know that some of my friends are right now. How? Who's not? You know, who's not struggling? I know of that. So the ones that I know of already that are having a bit of a tough time, that are a bit stressed out over, over life and and money, I would one hundred percent help out first. And the rest, I'd be like, do you need money? I mean, I, I mean, everyone's going to say they want money, but do you need money? And how much do you need? You know. What would you give me? I would do this. I mean, we kind of have a deal here, don't we? A little we bit. We both agreed. I shouldn't say a little bit. We, no, we have we a deal. Do have, <laughs> wait a it's minute. actually a deal. I, I don't think that would hold up in court. Please. We have a little bit of a deal. <laughs> Be clear, Fox. We do <laughs> We do have a deal. I mean, Scott and I, and he mentioned it. Scott and I's deal is, I, mean, I don't know what's on your mortgage. You don't know what's left over on mine. But all we know is, is that we would take a look at that and be like, what can help? I will clear your mortgage, you know, reasonably, as long as it's under a certain amount, I suppose, depending on what I want and what you want. We'd help each other out with that. And that would go a long way. One thing I would say about the mortgage thing is, and this is an asterisk, and I'm glad that we're documenting this in audio form it's forever. Good. It's good. Is just because I fucking hate the banks, I hate them with such a passion mm-hmm. that the thought of paying off your mortgage and making you that happy makes me so happy. But if there's a penalty to pay out your mortgage early, I might just say, you know what? In four years, when your mortgage is up for renewal, then I'll pay off your mortgage. Because even though it's probably only 40 to 60 grand, I'm not giving the bank another 40 to 60 grand. Fuck them. It's a waste of money. We can all agree. Absolutely. And they ding you for it every time. Oh, you want to refinance? Fuck you. Oh, yeah. you want to switch to another bank? Fuck you. I always They'll find screw you every I, time. I know. And I always find ones that'll allow you to put in anytime you want. Up to a certain amount, though. They all have their limits, don't they? Creditors, they have their limits. While we're talking about finances, let's marry together two things that definitely go together. Money and your mental health. They say inflation is stressing out Canadians on an epic level, especially when they buy groceries or get gas. The FP Canada Financial Stress Index Survey says money is the biggest stressor for 38% of their respondents. More than two-thirds of Canadians say rising grocery prices and having, are having a direct impact on their finance-related stress. One-third say financial stress is now causing anxiety, depression, and mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I believe it. I, I feel it. I, I believe I'm, it. I'm, I, I get stressed sometimes. Oh, shit. Property tax payment month. Oh, fuck. And, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way for any of us. But there's people whose mortgage payments have gone up between $500 and $1,000 in three months. It, there's people who are just yeah who can't afford to like can't afford to live and aren't sure where else to turn where to, what to do. It's true, and the banks are just making so much money. It's crazy, and and I guess one of the things I'm wondering is, and this applies on a lot of different levels. What is the government thinking right now? Are they thinking shit? We got to do something. Or are they thinking, we've done all we can do. Fuck it. It's not out of our control. And the reason I ask that is because the opposition was pounding the government in the House yesterday. The conservatives Good. were... Well, the conservatives were like, you need to do something yesterday. You need to stop charging GST, the federal portion of the HST. You need to stop charging GST on gas immediately. Gas and diesel. That'll have an immediate impact. And you need back off with this carbon tax because that's adding a lot of money to the price at the pumps. And 
you know, I, I don't exactly, I've seen a few charts that says, oh yeah, it's like 11, 12 cents a liter. Well, I would take 12 cents a liter less right now. That'd be great. But I'm also hearing from a number of people that the gas companies, because they pay carbon tax, a lot of it for producing that oil that they sell to us, are taking a lot of, or basing their pricing, factoring in how much they're paying in carbon tax. So in a way, they're almost sort of double dipping. They're charging us for what they're paying in carbon tax, plus we're paying the actual carbon tax that we have to pay. So if they would drop this carbon tax, it would have a profound impact. Those are the proposals from the conservatives. From the New Democrats, they want to see immediate, stronger measures against corporations that are profiting from inflation. If if you believe that everything that's happening right now is because of Ukraine, I, I, I stop watching the CBC. That's all I can tell the you. Excuse builder, man. It's that's what they do. That's what all we, it is. What can we use? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Ukraine, it is. This is not just because of Ukraine. An impact? Well, maybe. Especially at the beginning. Is this the reason for it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And when the NDP is putting out a good measure like this, hey, you know what? We're going to make it a criminal offense with a half a billion dollar fine on any company that's raising their prices and screwing Canadians right now but blaming it on inflation. In other words, before you raise your prices, you better have it well documented that your prices have gone up and not just using this as a window of opportunity to screw us. And I have a feeling that's what the oil companies are doing. It really feels like that's what's happening. They had two years of people driving less and now they they saw all the profit they didn't make and they're saying, fuck it, we're taking that profit now. And nobody can stop them. Nobody is going to stop them unless we do something like this. So I haven't said it in a while, about a year. Jagmeet Singh, that's a great proposal. Good for you. Uh, Candace Bergen leading the conservatives temporarily. That's a good proposal. Both of those things would change things right away. But the government doesn't seem to want to do anything. All they're saying is, well, we cut the cost of child care. I don't have fucking kids in child care. Yeah, it I don't. It that doesn't, doesn't help me. Yeah. It doesn't. Well, it does help you. Even then, though, we haven't seen a dime of that anyway. It takes so long. It's not until the fall that we're probably going to see anything anyway. There's other things that need to be done. And yeah, it doesn't help everybody. There are people who are just like, okay, maybe that's helpful. Maybe not. There's a lot of people who've already had to quit their jobs. And what they're doing right now is watching their own children because they can't afford it. And nothing's come into place yet to help them with that. They're still struggling. Stuff needs to be done yesterday. It's kind of concerning that that nothing's being said, though, that they're not saying, don't worry, guys, we've got a plan. You'll hear it soon. Like nothing. There's no indication at all. But this is the thing. I mean, the government seems to they know where they want to go and they know roughly how they want to get there. What they didn't expect is this much reaction from the public. And I think even their own supporters are seeing it right now. And it's on a couple of different fronts. Everybody knows how bad inflation is, and everybody knows why it happened. We printed way too much money during the pandemic. The Bank of Canada are a bunch of fucking idiots that didn't do anything to stop this, and now to try and and fix it, they're going to bankrupt the entire middle class by raising these interest rates. It's a horrible, horrible mistake, and they're going to do it anyway, and all Trudeau will do is give them cover. Pierre Polyev tried to call him out, and, and the liberals jumped all over him. How dare you interfere with the Bank of Canada? 
Well, the Bank of Canada is interfering with Canada right now. They're fucking with people. And nobody's going to stand up to them, except for Pierre, apparently. Do they want it to be bad? Like, at a certain point, don't you ask yourself, like, is this what they want? Is this a plan? Because it seems like it's a plan. Back at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of people who said, this is exactly what's going to happen. What's happening now is what they said would happen two years ago. It's happening now. Now, it didn't take a rocket scientist to foresee that inflation would kick in if you were printing too much money or if you were not living within your means. Sure. But I mean, they were pretty accurate, even on the timeline of when this was going to happen. So I'm not going to make this about Klaus Schwab and the World Monetary Fund and and the conspiracy theories. Hey, listen, I, I wrote them off originally. Now it's seeming like, well, it kind of does add up, but I'm still not going to go down that road. I'm not going to do that right now. I don't believe that this is the great reset, although I do believe that uh, there are some people within government, in cabinet, that would love to see the great reset take place. Maybe even the prime minister himself. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But when you see the government not doing a thing about the situation we're in, they could. They could change it tomorrow. If they would drop the taxes and if they would just come out with an executive order from the prime minister's office that if you gouge people and try and blame it on inflation, this is what's going to happen. It's not just a fine against your company. It's not a deferred prosecution. It's nothing like that. It's an actual criminal charge. Your bosses will go to jail. Police will show up, put them in cuffs and take them to jail. Trudeau could do that now, but he won't. He's not. We look at the situation at the airports. We know there's a problem. The government acknowledges there's a problem, but they're not doing anything. All they keep doing is pointing to, well, you know, we, we, it's happening everywhere. Don't blame us. That's what they're saying about inflation. Uh, it's happening around the world. Don't blame us. Blame, it's because of Ukraine. It's not just because of Ukraine, and it's not happening everywhere in the world. It's happening to a specific set of countries. Not us, we're probably the we're worst. One of them. We're the probably the worst one from what I've been reading. We're definitely one of them. <laughs> we're shameful in some ways. It's sad. Well, and then they keep blaming and deflecting and stuff like that. They're not again, they're not actually doing anything. And then let's go back to the last time they did do something. Marco Mendicino is the public safety minister, and I believe he is a liar. And I believe that because of the Emergencies Act. When they put that Emergencies Act in, Marco was the guy who had to trot out there. I think they put him there because Bill Blair is like really losing coherency when he speaks. So they've got Marco here in charge, and he's a fabulous speaker. I I don't know if he used to sell insurance or cars, but it had to be one of the two because he is like that. And, and he was the one who came out there and tried to, to snow Canadians. You know, he was the one who said, well, you know, the, the truck drivers, they were, they're trying to burn down apartment buildings with people living in them. The police have already said that's not true. But he's still repeating that lie. There was another example where he, uh, <clears throat> he said police asked for the Emergencies Act. He's been caught in another lie. I think what happened here is the government saw a problem and they saw Trudeau's pristine left-wing reputation. And that's what he wants. He wants to be that left-wing rock star. I think he saw his reputation in serious jeopardy. So he went into hiding and invoked the Emergencies Act. And I do kind of think it was one of those things where they did it and it was a, we'll figure out an excuse later. Just do this now. And they said the wrong thing. They said Police asked us for these powers, and we granted them those powers. Well, now the deputy public safety minister, Rob Stewart, 
is trying to provide cover for Marco Mendicino because all of the lies he's been perpetuating have been debunked. So now the deputy minister says he believes that the intention Mendocino was trying to express was misunderstood. All that shit with the Emergencies Act and the truckers and them going through people's bank accounts, freezing assets from people who donated $20 to this cause, all a misunderstanding. Rob Stewart, who I've never heard of before today, says he was trying to express that law enforcement asked for the tools contained in the Emergencies Act. Which tool? Which one? Tell us which one. Or tell us the truth, what we just speculated. You didn't know what to do. You threw this Emergencies Act in place to try and save your boss, and it's just going to be lie after lie after lie to try and justify it. I'm happy that this joint parliamentary committee is still talking about it, and I'm really looking forward to the actual investigation. There will be a judicial inquiry about this. There has to be. I want people under oath. I want under oath testimony, and I want consequences for people who lie under oath to this commission. How long does it take to get one of those, to get that in motion? Is this one of these things where we're going to hear about it again in two years or something because it takes so freaking long? The judge who's doing it has already been appointed. The, okay. the report is due by the end of March next year. Okay, so that's not as bad as I thought. Make it under oath. Let's make this consequential. Let's find out who's lying and why they lied. Hey, listen, I don't agree with what the truckers did. That occupation went on way too long. I thought they made their point greatly after the first weekend, and you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to. But what they did in invoking that Emergencies Act and then lying about the reasons for why they did it and now continuing to lie about the lies, it's crazy to me. So again, I'm wondering, what is the end game here? I almost wonder, because a lot of people have speculated Trudeau should just go. He's just going to make things worse. He's toxic. He's got a horrible reputation around the world and in Canada. Regular people are starting to see through his bullshit. And there was a lot of people who thought he should probably take a walk. He should just walk away, put somebody else in charge, let them give the party the refresh and recharge. Well, there's a couple of things at uh, play there, too. I don't think he wants to walk away. I don't think his ego is going to let him walk away. Or there's still more work to be done on whatever this is that he's trying to do. And again, it seems like bankrupting the middle class is the goal. This is just the way it seemed based on everything happening around us. Or he's so toxic, he's done so much damage that he's got to wear it now. Christian Freeland doesn't want to take over the party now. Not when they've already been in power for 10 years and people are this pissed off and it's going to continue getting progressively worse. Maybe she doesn't want the job. Maybe Anita Anand doesn't want the job right now. Any of those possible frontrunners. Maybe Prime Minister fucking Mendocino would be in the uh, in the, the offing. No. I don't know if anybody wants the job right now because you're basically walking into a toxic situation. So maybe they are just going to make him sit there and wear it right through till the, the bitter end. Whatever the bitter end looks like. The only way his fortunes are going to change right now is if he can find a way to get us out of this. I forgot about the term stagflation, but I remember when I was a kid watching TV and I wanted to watch Fraggle Rock, but my parents wanted to watch 60 Minutes. And I remember being all pissy because I wanted to watch my show and they were talking about stagflation. Stagflation is when you have 
high inflation, slow growth. We haven't seen it for decades in North America. A lot of people are already saying we're there. Growth is slow and inflation is high. Are we in a stagflation? Because it kind of seems like we are. Back in the early 80s, it didn't look like it looks now. They just know it doesn't look good. I can tell you that much. We we could be on our way back there, though. And I don't know if Justin's going to do anything about it, or maybe they are making him wear it, or maybe there's just more work to be done in this master plan that he has. But either way, it's not looking good, and nobody is doing anything for Canadians. God, I hope we see a backbone out of Queen's Park or somewhere that's going to stand up and call for the right thing to be done here and then actually do it. Uh, quickly, just a couple of things. Do you think you can have too many kids? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> I, I do kind of agree with you. I had two. Yes. You've got two. Yeah. And I, I remember being so fucking busy and so tired and wondering, how are there people that have eight kids? Like, no, yeah. How do you keep track of them all? It's shocking to me. This woman tells her story on TikTok. She gave birth every year between the ages of 16 and 19. Have you seen this girl? Mm, I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Uh, let me go over it here. She was pregnant for like a million years in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't even understand how she did that. She was pregnant at 16, 17, 18, and 19. She also got pregnant at 21, 23, 26 and 28. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. It's a lot of pregnancies. She just turned 30 and had triplets. Oh, son of a bitch. What do you hate? You hate yourself? What are you doing? I know there's people that love that, right? There's She's people- got 12 kids, Kat. Yeah, She's 30 with 12 kids. Fucked. It's fucked. I don't understand it. I, I know there's people who, I think that there are really people who grow up and that's their dream. I really do. And I, I love that those are the people that will do it because I don't know how you're willing to do it. I don't understand it. I it's too many. It's too many bodies to watch out for. Thankfully, every every kid so far is OK. My fear would be that I'd lose one or several of them several times a day. Uh, when do you have time for anything else? How did you even have time to have sex all those other times to have babies? Oh, it wasn't good sex. That was like in the fucking closet yeah. in, in during a, a segment I'm of... I'm ovulating. Let's fucking go quick. It could even have been a whoopsie. Well, the, the, t- the shows are on in the basement and the kids are watching TV and you actually have five minutes free. Do I do the dishes or do I get me done? And, and that's... I, I can't think of how you'd have time for any other I don't way. even know how you even have five minutes. Like, how do you even have five minutes? Like, with, with, with two little... No. Okay, you know what? Not even two kids. Because, okay, fine. You can maybe find some time. Once you get up to five or six, what makes you go, I could double that? I don't understand it. Unless she's going for some sort of a record or wants a reality TV deal. Maybe. I don't know what the plan is because that, that's... Fuck, she's got 12 you know, kids at 30 years old. As long as kids are all loved, don't get me wrong. Okay, fine. You know, as long as the kids are loved, they're taken care of. Maybe maybe this person has a means. Maybe they don't. And that, I, that we don't know, I guess, to do it. That's great. As long as the kids are okay. You know, because at a certain point, don't you kind of worry? I do. 100%. Don't you kind of worry about the kids? I do a little bit. Like, I, I do feel like sometimes, I don't know, this is going to be a hot take, so I apologize in advance, but... I think you're pretty selfish when you want to have that many kids sometimes. What? I'll be honest with you. Why is that selfish? Because that's, you're doing it off of what you want, and maybe the kids need a little... Like, do, you, do they get enough love and attention? This is coming from someone who... I don't know. I've got, I've got two siblings, and I've got two kids, and that's it. So I don't come from a big family. I know there are lots of people out there that can help me out with this. 
It's not like you love kids less because you have many more of them, but like, do they get enough of that one-on-one time? Like, I feel guilty if I don't give my kids equal time as it is. Like, imagine I have fucking 12. How do I deal with that? How do you even have enough time in the day to give them that one-on-one stuff? It used to be much more common, and I think that we all turned out fine. Most of us. So, well, what, but you, I mean, but I, I've I'm got two siblings about as 12, well. Though, like, we can't relate to this. It's a high number, sure. It's a lot, right? But uh, presumably, she's got like twelve guys helping. I don't so. know. My mother-in-law, they they, they had. There's ten siblings. There's 10, I think 10 or uh, I think 11, 10 or 11, whatever it is. Like you lose count after a while. My mom has eight siblings. Yeah. yeah. And I think at a certain point she would agree like there were too many of us, but that's her story. Right. But like, I don't know anyone else's story. I know. I know of people that were in my school, for example, growing up, there were families, right, where they were in like every grade and they were all siblings. Well, I think we all had that at one point. I just don't know how you can give enough to all of them. I don't know. That's me now from a parent perspective, though. You know what a dog looks like? <laughs> Rough, roughly familiar, if you will. You know what an alligator looks like? Yes. Man lost a chunk of his leg when he was attacked by a gator outside a Florida hotel after mistaking the crocodile, sorry, alligator, for a dog. Mm. It happened as he was walking outside the warm, warm mineral springs motel. <laughs> it's in Northport. It was around 1230 a.m. yesterday. He noticed a dark figure shuffling around in the bushes. Thinking it was a dog attached to a long leash, he didn't move out of the way. So the gator just walked up and ripped off part of his leg. Fuck. I mean... (laughs) That's crazy. And I'd love to say, oh, that's terrible. We should do something. But it's a gator. You were in Florida. And I know that you didn't expect to see a gator in the bushes outside the hotel, but they're everywhere down there. You got to be careful. They're like squirrels here. You're going to spot them in every scenario. So be careful. You got to be careful. Whoever mistook an alligator for a dog. (laughs) How does that happen? I was waiting for you to say many, many drugs were involved. You know what, though? I mean, if there were many, many drugs involved, that wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. Then I go, ah, okay. Let's talk about this woman before we run out of time. I'm going to read you a story from a woman who's looking for a little bit of advice. And I feel for this girl. Because it seems like she's truly conflicted. She says, when my boyfriend found out I have money to do it, he asked me to pay off his car. Now, because I said no, he won't answer the phone or talk to me. I've helped him in the past, but he continues to ask me for money. I think he's using me. He tries to make me feel guilty by accusing me of not caring about him because, and I quote, If I did, I would pay off his car. I'm 58 years old. The money I have is for me to live comfortably, not to spend on him. I told him as much, and he still insists I should be helping him out with his bills. We live separately, and I suspect he's really just interested in the money. Mm. But I'm 58, and I'm afraid of being alone. What should I do? I love how right in there she says, I suspect it's just about the money. If you have any suspicions, you're probably right. This to me sounds like it's all about the money. Okay. I think that this guy is probably bad news. I think he's probably a red flag. Huge. I'm going to put that on the record now. But in the name of fairness and creating a discussion, I'm going to try and side with him to see if I can find where he's coming from on this. Is it possible? 
that he sees a future with this woman. And he knows that when you're starting a new relationship, a new life together, one of the best things you can do to get your finances in order together moving forward is pay off your debt. Is there any possibility of that? It sounds like there was not really a a mature conversation that was had. This sounds more like a, my hand is out. Give me money for my car. We're in a relationship. You should be helping me. Where's the conversation about where the future is headed? Hey, you know what? We should move in together. Maybe we're not there. Maybe we are. Here's what I have. Here's everything out on the table for you. This is what I owe. I feel like if you if we can help each other out, if we can move in together, like where's that conversation before you start jumping to pay off my car? Where's the here's the future that I see with you? That's a huge red flag for me. Okay. What about this? Hey, we're in a committed relationship. No, we're not married. No, we don't live together. And no, we don't know what the future holds. But we're carrying on with the assumption that, hey, we're right for each other. We're going to continue down this path. You have money. I'm struggling. If we're in a partnership here, why wouldn't you pay off my debt? <laughs> I don't know. Even I feel like it's a bit I of a know, stretch, but I'm a, trying. You know, it's a huge stretch. I mean, to me, this, of course, this is filled with red flags. I hope that, the, the part that makes me the most sad about this is that what I'm getting from this in different words She said, I feel like I'm not going to find anyone else and I'm already almost 60 years old. Mm -hmm. What if I never find anyone? Would you seriously, woman, if you're out there listening, would you seriously rather attempt to live your life with this person who only wants money from you? What you're doing is you're risking not only being high and dry and left alone anyway, but also left financially wounded because of this douche nozzle. So I suggest strongly that you... Let it be, first of all, lack of maturity everywhere here, because not just the fact that he doesn't have that conversation with her about the future. It says nothing about that, but also giving her the cold shoulder when she says no and explains that she's, you know, she's at the point in her life where she's saving up for retirement or she's saved. She's worked hard. She's worked hard all the way through. She's almost 60 years old. I'd imagine it's a decent amount of savings. That's not yours. That's not yours right now. Stop expecting handouts from people. What, what's your situation, guy? I mean, I I don't get it. I feel bad for her that she feels that this is going to be her last chance. That makes me sad. You're better off. Trust me. You've obviously made yourself financially comfortable. Good for you. That's all you need to worry about. Don't worry about who. But what if no one else is there? You don't want to waste your time with a loser like that. It's better off you being with yourself than dealing with a loser like that. And like I said, perhaps coming up broke because of it. Fuck that. That guy's Mm -hmm. a huge red flag. I mean, I'd say peace out and never look back. What if she doesn't meet somebody else? What if this was her shot? And what if she wakes up at 78 years old and says, I am lonely and I hate being lonely. And fuck, if I would have just paid that 20 grand, if I would have paid 20 grand 10 years ago, I could be in a great spot now. At that point, that's when you become the sugar mama. If that's really what you realize you want, be the sugar mama in that point. At that point, you're not there yet. Stop. Don't think that you need to pay for company. Like you're basically saying to yourself, maybe I should pay my way through this so I can get company. You're paying for company. What are you doing? Like, wake up. It's it's ridiculous to me. And there are people that will die that way, by the way, that do die that way all the time. Mm -hmm. They're well aware. A lot of the time we look at men that way, right? Men with a lot of money that just have like their their players. They just basically have women, younger women mainly because they have money. And that's where they're, they're okay with that. They're like, I'm going to die this way. Not having any true emotional connection. I'm paying for this company. That's basically what I'm, what I'm doing is paying for this company. 
And that's so, I mean, that's sad to me. That's fine. If that's the way you want to live though. Okay. That's not how she's saying that she wants to live. This is not what you need. You need yourself. You've done so well independently so far. Maybe you were married previous. I don't, I know she didn't go into detail about her life. If you're at that point, seriously, where you're 80, you're lonely. You know what? Go ahead. If that's what you feel you need, if you just want the company, don't keep this douchebag around that is, I I say douchebag, at least douches have a meaning. It doesn't seem like this person does really. What if though, and this is the last hypothetical, what if he went to her with a slightly different approach and said, hey, listen, you're obviously financially comfortable. She's obviously told him about her personal finances. So if he went to her and said, I like where this is going. I have some debt. I got to pay off this car. And no, I don't have the money. On the other hand, you do have the money. And if we're planning a future together, here's my proposition for you. Pay off my car debt. I will pay it back to the relationship. 20 grand? Okay. I'll put in uh, uh, $2,000 a year for the next 10 years until that has been completely paid off. Or as a, a payoff for you paying off my car... I will then agree to pick up a second job and I'll pick up 20 hours a week. Yeah, that's not the scenario, though. I mean, I hear what you're saying. That would be someone who's reasonable that sits down and is reasoning with the person and saying, look, this is my dilemma. I see a future. Again, I'm not hearing anything or seeing anything about a future. She's basically, I think she knows this guy's in it for the money. She had her suspicions. If you have suspicions, you're right. I just see no way for this relationship to work out without either her heart being broken. Just end it now. Just end it now. Guy's in it for the wrong reasons. He's in it for your money, period, the end. Let him move on to someone else who might be actually willing to give it up because there are people who will. What if she said, okay, you know what? We're going to pay off your car loan, but I'm buying your car. You can drive around my car, but that's my car after I pay it off. And if you leave, it's my car. If that's what she wants. But the fact, no, like I mean, the whole cold shoulder thing, that says enough. You're not mature. Who are you? I would love to know the age of this person and if they are around the same age. My God, you've done a lot wrong in your life. If you're seriously giving the cold shoulder to a woman who's worked really hard and it's hard enough for women as it is in a lot of cases, especially those who've hit 60, they probably had to work really hard to save up that amount of money to be comfortable, to look toward retirement and be like, yes, I think I'm going to be okay. And someone wants to come along and take their savings. That's kind of fucked up to me. I don't like it at all. That's kind of fucked up to me is how we will leave the podcast today. (laughs) Sums it up nicely. Have yourselves a fantastic hump day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow with a brand new episode of After 9. Bye. According to a new study, dogs are more effective at detecting COVID than rapid tests. (laughs) I'm glad we've reached the point in the pandemic where the CDC is like, I don't know, dogs? I I don't (laughs) know. But here's how it works with dogs. If you have symptoms, they sniff your crotch. One hump. <laughs> One hump means you're negative. Two humps means you're positive. That's all right. That's fine. That's what they're saying. I, I saw the gas prices across the country have once again surged to a record high. You know, at this point, it's worth filling your car with Mountain Dew and just seeing what happens. I mean, why not? A guinea pig in Hungary named Molly was recently honored with the Guinness World Record for most basketball slam dunks in 30 seconds. But before you get too excited, full disclosure, apparently the rim was only set at 9 feet 6 inches. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.